Yeah, welcome to Streamed and Screened, a show from Lee Enterprises about movies and music hosted by Bruce Miller, who's the editor of the Sioux City Journal. He's been an entertainment reporter for multiple decades. Uh, also, Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal, and myself, Chris Lay, who is, uh, I'm based out of Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm the podcast operations manager for, for Lee Enterprises. Bruce, how you doing? It is a hectic week. I watched two award shows on one day. I almost felt like I was in that bar in London where they were all sitting to try and catch the second one that they had to go to. So it's been hectic. Jared, how are you? I was doing okay. It was going good into the weekend. You know, I wrote a, uh, an acceptance speech for uh, a director who's up for quite a few awards this year and the, the acceptance speech didn't quite go the way that I thought it was. So I don't know if I'm going to be getting any more uh, acceptance speech writing gigs in the, uh, the foreseeable future. I heard about that. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, you really, you really stepped in it there. Yeah. Called out Venus and Serena. <laughs> and all you had to do was stick with Sam Elliott. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> stuck with Sam Elliott, you've been in fine. Exactly. I uh, certainly did not have Jane Campion gets milkshake ducked on my <laughs> on my 2022 bingo card. <laughs> what a week. What a week. I don't do you think it'll hurt her. I don't think it'll hurt her. So we've got a bunch of really great stuff coming out uh, this week. We got a whole bunch of horror movies that we're going to dig into. Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> <laughs> It's rare for Bruce to come in with that uh, with that slam there. Well, come on. How many times are they remaking that thing? Enough. I'm good. I don't need another one. Thanks. Well, I don't think anybody really does. And uh, that's why it's just going to be on Disney+. Plus. We have a show that I know Bruce has been talking about. And we have an interview that we're going to be able to, to link to on on here uh, shortly and that is welcome to flatch yeah and it's one of those first kind of uh, the first blush from a lot of the the traditional networks we're starting to see their new series now and this is one it actually was i think the pilot was shot like more than two years ago and they have waited for this thing to come out it's very much in the same vein as parks and rec in the office where it's a mockumentary and it's a look at a small town and you interviewed the stars, Sam Straley and Holmes, she goes by one name, Holmes, they play the two kids kind of who are leading the mockumentary filmmakers around Flash, Kelly and Shrub. They're just kind of goofy kids who want to believe that they are at a different level than they really are. Mm -hmm. She considers herself like an influencer, an entrepreneur. She has a lot of terms that she uses for what she does, which is nothing. She does nothing. And he is kind of a slacker who does nothing. And they have friends who have accomplished something. And they go around the town and they just kind of point out what's a little snarky about the community. It's cute. I don't know if we're ready for another mockumentary at this point, to be honest with you. There's too many. But it's an interesting take. And um, it has people who are, who are working with the office who are behind this. So it has potential to be another one in that vein. Again, it's just, are we ready for another one? And uh, the show also stars Sean William Scott and Aya Cash. Stifler. Stifler. 
He plays a minister. Aya Cash was in. She's in The Boys right now, where she's one of those superheroes. She was in You're the Worst. Uh, looks like it also stars William Tokarski, who I don't know if anybody is going to really jump out of their seats about this or if me mentioning this is going to light up the internet. But uh, he was the, uh, the main bad dude in the Too Many Cooks short that set the internet on fire seven years ago. <laughs> well, see, he was hot when they started doing this and then COVID cooled it all down and here we're back. Whereas, I mean, I guess if anyone is within the the sound of of my voice and and has not watched too many cooks, I mean, do it. It's it's a it's a it's a real real nightmare of a of a thing. It's ten minutes of your time. Yeah, and and it's uh, the rest of your life that the theme song will be in your head. And welcome to Flatch uh, premieres on March eighteenth. Welcome to Flatch is on Fox, and then it's rebroadcast on the other networks. We will have the the interview uh, with the the two folks from Welcome to Flash coming up uh, shortly. But for the time being, we're going to jump a little bit from from comedy into uh, what's in theaters, and we can definitely start off with the one that I I am the most excited about. I'll let Jared jump on this because uh, it's pretty pretty fantastic. But it's X, yeah, it's got the uh, the arms up. Going to give it to you. I've only watched the trailer like one time, but it was super gnarly, which grabbed my interest. And the other thing that really grabbed my interest is the fact that the uh, director is um, Ty West, who, um, among other movies, the one people might know best of his was a movie called House of the Devil, which came out in uh, 2009. And I always hate putting this on any one person, but as much as anyone, uh, Ty West with that movie, The House of the Devil, really kind of shook horror movies out of like the torture porn um period of the 2000s with all the Saul movies and Hostel and that kind of thing the house of the devil was like a total uh change up from all of that and he's um stayed active like popping up in uh like the work that uh friends of his do and that kind of thing but this is his first uh directorial effort since 2016 so more than half a decade he's gone since his last movie and it uh looks like he's got plenty to offer up in this one because like I said the trailer is gnarly there's a lot of stuff just in the two minutes or so from the trailer and i'm really excited for this one yeah the the plot um it's set in like the late late 70s early 80s uh thereabouts and it seems like it's very similar to texas chainsaw massacre where you have a bunch of 20 somethings i guess not necessarily teenagers but uh, they are trying to find a place to make a uh, independent film let's let's They're call it somewhere they're in like some farm right yeah and they have uh rented a a location from this guy uh who does not know that the the film that they are making as the title of of this film maybe uh alludes to is is uh rather adult in nature <laughs> and so things uh things start kind of spinning out of control uh, and it looks like it's filmed either on like some pretty beat up 35 millimeter film stock or you know they they treated it after the fact it looks very very dated definitely fits the the overall aesthetic it's just an apple iphone with a new setting <laughs> yeah i mean you know you're just you're just filming through the the histomatic app right and yeah i'm really excited for where this is going it looks like it's got i mean it's relatively i don't want to say like no names uh, as far as acting, but uh, Mia Goth, I think, is the the biggest named person in there who 
is not exactly a household name necessarily, unless you're, I don't know, really up on all things Mia Goth, maybe. Is she related to Visa? Related to who? Visa. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Come on now, that worked. You know that did. I don't know if it worked, Bruce. I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight up with you on that. <laughs> She's got a pretty good um horror pedigree at least. She was in uh, Cure for Wellness a couple years ago, which Gore Verbinski did. So she was in the Suspiria remake. Yeah. But um, no, definitely not a, a household name. That is more than fair to say. Movie looks great. Seems like the the kind of loose buzz online is very, very positive. I'm not saying that things are, you know, going back to normal, obviously, but this is certainly a movie that would probably be worth seeing as soon as possible in a theater, not shoulder to shoulder, maybe, but certainly with other people in the room. Oh yeah, no, this is this is the exact kind of horror movie that is made much better by watching it with other people because it's going to be that kind of so X, and that's coming out this weekend in theaters. Bruce, are there any? Is there anything that's coming out this weekend that you've seen uh, screeners for? I think um, Deep Water. Deep in Water is really old, and it's finally coming out, and it's bad. You've seen it? It's bad. It's uh, isn't that the Ben Affleck thing? Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck and Anna De Armas, directed by Adrian Lin, also Lil Rel Howery. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was excited for this one. What uh, what what didn't work about it, Bruce? Ben Affleck. Oh man. Remember now, it was made a while ago, so there you go. They all can't be uh, last duel. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that the one you guys liked? Yep. And um, they're still whining about him as Batman, and enough with that. <laughs> ben might want to take a little rest for a while. To put this in perspective, I guess, on a timeline, even if you're just following the you know grocery store tabloid covers, this was the movie where Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck were introduced and started dating so they went through that entire romance cycle broke up and then he got back with jennifer lopez this is how long that has been going on it's an erotic thriller which is you know adrian lynn's whole thing and it sounded like they were trying to make the ben affleck and anna de armas relationship part of the the promotional element maybe i'm really bummed about all of that because a there aren't really enough uh erotic thrillers anymore that was a fun subgenre for a while those need to make a comeback and uh b i like a lot of adrian lynn's movies jacob's ladder is one of my favorite horror movies from the 90s all the erotic thriller stuff he did in the 80s and 90s with like fatal attraction and decent proposal those are good and the last movie he made before this was 20 years ago with Unfaithful, which is also an awesome movie. So it's a bummer that uh, this is the, the comeback for him. It's on Hulu this weekend. So, Jared, you, you and I can watch it and uh, maybe we'll uh, you know come back next week and, you know, just really give it to Bruce. Really, really give him the business <laughs> on this. I doubt it. I'm doubting it as well. But, <laughs> you know, and he had a tender bar this last year that was very good. So. I think he came out of that, but these things are kind of just hanging there that aren't getting released. And that's what happens. So you can easily overlook it and move on. Is it bad even in a way that could be campy? No. Like Jared was mentioning with Fatal Attraction and like there's a certain campy charm to them. And this is no. just not, not that at all. It's poorly edited and um, he looks a little worn out to be playing the character that he's playing. So there you are. No, it's fine. It's fine. Can I veer here for a minute? 
veer away, veer wildly. Okay, I'm going to veer because it was really surprising to me that William Hurt had died this week. I did not have any clue that he was not well. And William Hurt has kind of been in that whole range of my time as a critic. I remember his early films. I remember talking with him about making The Big Chill and how they all bonded, how he did Body Heat with Kathleen Turner. Talk about an erotic thriller. Goodness. There you go. There you go. I mean, he is just, he was such a hardcore actor who just dug into everything. Like it, sometimes when you talk with him, you wouldn't understand what in the world he was saying, but you knew that he was really devoted to what he was doing and he would double down on anything if you tried to deny it. And it's too bad we don't have more actors like that. I think a lot of them are looking for a personality. They're pushing the personality cult instead of what I can do as an actor. He was always growing and doing different things. Even in his later years when he was doing a lot of television and doing series that I would probably have passed on if I were in his shoes, he kept doing it. And I, I wish we had more actors like that. And I'm glad that he did win an Oscar at some point because it would be a shame. He had those three films in one swoop that were all nominated for best actor. And he won for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Um, he was nominated for Broadcast News and he was nominated for... Children of a Lesser God. Children of a Lesser God. And he... um, it's, I just, it's, it's sad and he wasn't that old. And the idea that we don't have a world with him in it is, it's very unsettling. He was 71, I believe. Yeah, and he was, it was near his birthday. I think his birthday was turning 72 this week. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because I thought that William Hurt was one of the good guys. Is there any one William Hurt movie that you would recommend that people give an eyeball to? I'll tell you, I have not been back to some of those noir-like things he had done. It'd be fun to go back there and see how good they were. Like Body Heat is like, when you look at it, like, who are these two people? I don't even recognize them anymore. But I remember that. I remember doing interviews for that. And I remember how kind of electric Kathleen Turner was. And he was the one who had to kind of bring things down to earth and explain to you what really was going on here. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And then Big Chill, it was like he was with a bunch of friends. To see him with Kevin Klein and Glenn Close and all those, and they, I think they all remained friends years later. But the bonding exercises they went through were really bizarre. I remember them telling us that they had found this game and they were all excited to play this game and they would get together and play the game all the time. And the game was Trivial Pursuit. And that was before it really became something. And when you look at that cast, look how, how many of them really did achieve. Oscar winners in the whole bunch, you know? And longevity. These careers still go on. What was it about that? And the one who was in Big Chill that you never got to see turned out to actually be the first one to win the Oscar, which is Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner for, I mean, just to, this is, speaking of Trivial Pursuit, this is one of those trivial little bits about that film. But yeah, he played the, the man in the, uh, in the coffin. The dead friend that they were all coming to mourn. Anyway, two cents for William Hurt. He's in maybe like 10 minutes of A History of Violence, the Cronenberg movie with Viggo Mortensen. Got an Oscar nomination. Yeah, and he got an Oscar nomination for it, which among other things just speaks to how big of a presence he had uh, even in like smaller parts, because 
that movie's only 90 minutes and he's only in a fraction of those 90 minutes and he comes up with a completely menacing bad guy and he got an Oscar nomination for that, which is pretty impressive. He was dating um, Marley Matlin at the time of Children of a Lesser God and flash forward, she's in the big hot coda this year. The things that we're all pointing to here, uh, it's all about underacting maybe, where like with Body Heat, it's reacting to Kathleen Turner, and, you know, giving her space to kind of smolder as well as, you know, staying in control of that. And with a history of violence, it's something where you have to come in and just, you know, own every single scene, but not overpower it uh, or not, you know, go too far into camp, which is a really, really fine line. And then I think in broadcast news, which is probably my favorite one where, you know, I mean, that character is just so, it's got so many different colors to it. I mean, on the one hand, it's just this empty suit of a character, this, you know, kind of cad of a man, but he plays it with, you know, more than enough, you know, humanity to where it's perfectly believable and empathizable, empathetic. When he, and this is, I think, a sign of a good actor. You believe that the characters have lives when they're not on the screen. You believe that they're doing things. And he was always able to make you think like, well, something's going on with him behind, you know, that I'm not watching right now. And I'd like to know what that is. And I'm sure he just, he created these characters with huge backstories and histories and whatnot so that he could believe it. Anyway, let's remember him and watch his movies. See the things that he's done. One of those guys who's, you know, didn't necessarily have the the overall you know sex appeal star power sexiest man alive type you know level of credit but certainly you know well above you know character actor status which i mean maybe maybe speaking uh of you know that level of ability and place in hollywood uh jesse plemons and jason siegel have a new movie coming out <laughs> uh they have a new netflix movie coming out called windfall which looks pretty interesting uh, Jason Siegel plays a a robber who gets kind of in over his head with a breaking and entering thing where he's breaking into Lily Collins and Jesse Plemons house, which then turns into a kidnap scenario, which uh, it seems like there there are multiple twists and turns that unspool from that initial idea. It is uh, directed by Charlie McDowell, who, if anybody saw the one I love, Fantastic film. Another one where like the tone of that as a sort of a weird, I don't want to say anti-romance, romantic comedy about a, like a wedding retreat survival course, <laughs> sort of a, like a, like a romance ropes course for a married couple that also has this element of unexplained science fiction to it uh, where, I don't know, you just, you really got to be, you got to have a very gentle touch, I think, to, to make that work. And I'm pretty excited about Windfall, which is uh, out uh, March 16th on Netflix. I don't know. Lily Collins is coming in hot off of Pam and Tommy. Anything else jumping out, Jared? What you got? Really excited for that, uh, that uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh... <laughs> you haven't gotten enough Zach Braff in your life, right? I mean, no. I, I'm always walking around the office and my home saying, I need more Zach Braff. The, the Braff levels are too low. Braff levels need to be increased. The little quote on the poster from Streamed and Screen needs to be, it's Braff-tastic. 
it seems like we aren't the the target audience for that, but it also looks uh, impossibly stupid. So <laughs> I don't know. I just got done watching uh, Turning Red, which I thought was really lovely. So maybe I'm just uh, a little bit spoiled right now on much more thoughtful, family-oriented fare than, you know, I, the cheap, cheaper by the dozen. It seems like it's, it's the Brady Bunch meets a weird multiplying machine where just even more of these very charming children just kind of pop out and are able to just have funny little quips. And I don't know. When you're talking about like the different versions of this going from Steve Martin to Zach Braff, I'm sorry, that's a huge downgrade. (laughs) Well, and in the old one, weren't there some kids who turned out to be something? Hillary Duff was in it. Piper Perabo, Tom Welling, these were all ones in that film. And you're going, well, they got work after this, so I guess that's okay. They'll throw these out there and they figure, oh, we'll give our Disney kids some work. They get them a little work and then they can use it as a film credit on their resume. And then you suddenly see them turn up in something like, uh, you know, Manchester by the Sea. And you think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's that kid? That kid was in Cheaper by the Dozen? That's kind of how that that goes. So they get a film credit, but it works to their advantage later because then they're seen as a film star and not necessarily as just a Saturday afternoon Disney Channel star. But you know what I did this weekend? I actually sat still for Drive My Car. Yeah, what'd you think? And it could have been cut. It could have been edited a bit more. I think they had way too much of Uncle Vanya. I think they didn't need all of that for the parallels because you get it. But I really loved the the story that they were telling that was contemporary, that wasn't the parallel. And um, there is no way in hell it'll win Best Picture. No, no. No, it'll win International Picture. But uh, they won't sit still to watch that, to even vote for it, because it it does kind of unfold slowly. And then it heats up a bit. But I was, you know, I never really had the, I would drop in on it and watch it, but I never sat and watched it. And that was a, an interesting experiment. You know, when you say that, you know, members of the Academy, that it's difficult for them to sit down for a three hour movie that is shortlisted as one of the, the best films of the year. Is that a problem with the Oscars as a, as a concept of the audience that they are trying to serve? Is that something where like that film's just never going to get an Oscar, but it would get, you know, a Gotham award or independent spirit or something along those lines. I don't know if the, the idea of having more award shows that fulfill these niches is the answer. I think the problem with the Oscars, if there is a problem is that there are too many other award shows that come before the Oscars. And I think if you got rid of a lot of those stray ones, or if the Oscars jumped the gun and got out there sooner, if they were in end of January, say, before all these other ones, because it becomes, um, oh yeah, okay, same ones are gonna win, same ones are gonna win. It's like they're almost rubber stamping. That's why I'm hoping this year that the, the prevailing leaders don't all come through. I would love to see the Oscars, because I think the voting ends this week. And I would love to see them surprise us. I think they can in a couple of categories. I mean. It's nice to see people being excited and happy and surprised, but I don't know that a surprise win for somebody other than Troy Kotsur, 
in CODA for supporting actor would be off the beaten track. I really think that he could be beat. And this is best supporting actor for CODA where it seems like it's kind of a toss up between him and Cody Smith McPhee, but Troy Kotzer has been definitely racking up more trophies between, yeah. He got the Screen Actors Guild Award. He got the, the BAFTA Award. He got the Critics' Choice Award all within like a week. Now that's his momentum. And I'm sure in other years, that would be a way for people who are filling out their ballots to go, oh, well, I guess I better mark him down. But I wish that the Oscar people would look a little closer at some of those performances. And I'm not saying that his isn't good. And I, I do see all of the great things that he was able to accomplish. So it, don't take it as that I don't want him to win. But I looked at, at the list of the people. And really, even Jesse Plemons, who is a kind of an additional one, and maybe the bonus nominee for The Power of the Dog, did a lot of great work that should have been recognized somehow. And now he's just kind of also in the pack. And if somebody like that came up and won it, it would draw new attention to maybe I need to look at that film one more time, or maybe I need to look at his career one more time. He's the Philip Seymour Hoffman of his generation. Not to sound like too much of an Oscars insider kind of ding dong, but the his career is so young. I mean, he's going to be around for another 40 years. And, you know, he's going to have, you know, so many great opportunities. Oscar has been known to kind of brush aside people that you think are going to win. Look at, look at uh, Sylvester Stallone when he did that. Was it Creed? Was that the first one that he really got nominated for in recent years? And it was like a done deal. Oh, at last we can finally give him the Oscar he never got for Rocky. And then he won the Golden Globe. He won all the things leading up to it. We got to the Oscars and he didn't get it. I think it was at Mark Rylance that year. And it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? So I think if Oscar surprises us a little more with those ones that aren't necessarily the rubber stamped edition winners, it might be fun. It might be really fun. And you know, I'm a big Cody Smith McPhee fan and I want him to win in the worst way. I want him to win it because without him, Power of the dog has no power. Absolutely agreed. And we have an interview with Bruce and Cody Smith McPhee in last week's episodes. Please go back and check that out. Next week's show will be us looking at a lot of the breakdowns and getting real deep into the numbers. And then the week after that, after the Oscars, will be us finding out how, how good or bad we did. So, <laughs> yeah, that's when you don't talk, right? <laughs> You mentioned Mark Rylance as being the guy who, who robbed uh, Sly Stallone, and he has a new movie coming out that I'm actually right. kind of intrigued uh, called The Outfit, where he plays a tailor whose shop is sort of a, uh, a drop-off point for a bunch of mobbed-up guys. And uh, have you seen the, the screener for this, Bruce? have not seen this one, and I'm excited about it. Because he has, he has that Daniel Day-Lewis quality where he can play those kinds of parts where you go, hmm, there's a little more here than I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, very similar to Windfall. Uh, it looks like it's a movie where the premise is kind of explained in the first third of the film. And then the next two thirds are a series of interesting, unexpected reveals of somebody knew more than they were you know, letting on it has that feel of like a, you know, a parlor mystery because everything, everything pretty much takes place in this tailor shop. At least from the trailer, I got some uh, bad times at the El Royale 
uh, kind of a vibe uh, too. Hateful Eight is another one. Yep. I'm also excited for this one because I, I really like Mark Rylance a lot as an actor. He's got a very, like in a lot of his movies, a very still presence about him and I'm always happy to see him and stuff. So I'm definitely going to check this one out too. Well, the outfit's going to be in theaters, so folks can, uh, can check that out. I don't, I don't know how much of a, uh, a good double feature it'll make with X, but you know, it's, it's not off the table. Life and Beth. Have you seen any of that, Bruce? Life and Death is, is a comedy, and I'm using the term loosely, with Amy Schumer. Would you say dramedy? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not even that. I, it's, it's, I don't know. Would calling it a dramedy be Portman too much? Would that be? <laughs> Man, we're, we're getting the jokes off today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, where, I mean, the first thing that you th- you're throwing by is that Laura Benanti plays her mother. You're going, Laura Benanti's like close to her age. I don't know how this is, but it's done in flashbacks and things like that. And you find out about this woman's life and it's, I've seen better things. I think they should have asked her for a little more of a, a little more of a Bible for this show. I mean, do you want to give us a quick rundown of, of the, the plot? Not necessarily. Well, all right then. <laughs> No, it's just Amy Schumer and she's playing another one of those characters, like a lot of the characters that she's played, where she's kind of the schlub that, you know, and I, I really, I was, I was all in for it. I wanted to watch it. I wanted to laugh. I wanted to have fun. And it, I think the darkness of it throws you off. Yeah. So I can get with darkness. It is what it is. You watch that for me and you tell me what you think I'd. I was not that impressed. Yeah, and that'll be on Hulu, March 18th, directed by Amy Schumer. It's got Michael Sarah in there. We're in the hot season again. We're, it's like things that are being kind of either thrown to the wolves because they want to get rid of it, or it's things that have popped, you know, because a lot of good things have happened at this time of year that you didn't think was going to happen. I can go back to the year that um, uh, Silence of the Lambs came out was right around Oscar time. And people are going, well, that won't last till next year. And it won the next year. Series that popped in the, in the mid-season. I believe you're, you guys like that Twin Peaks. I think that was a mid-season show. That popped. So it's, it's either, it's hit or miss, really, um, at this time of year. And a lot of things that we're getting are either the things that missed and they're just burning them off because they have to, or they're taking a risk and they're going to see what, what really could work. I'm intrigued about DMZ. I think that fits a lot of what you're maybe describing. I'm not sure if that's something that they've got a lot of faith in. Um, I mean, it's a comic book adaptation in the same way that by the last man was a comic book adaptation. You've got also the post-apocalyptic weird dystopia vibes to it and why the last man just completely turfed out but it's got Ava DuVernay and Rosaria Dawson I don't know I'm yeah I I will give it the benefit of the doubt you know isn't it weird how how many years did you guys read comic books long time right I'm how old now (laughs) remember how they weren't making those into movies at all you know you'd get a stray superman maybe, but they weren't even digging into that. And now suddenly those are the storyboards 
for how many movies? It's like, well, what suddenly woke you up? Well, if somebody made money. The thing that I bump into, we've, you know, definitely talked this up to no end. I know why they adapt things for movies because you have that popular thing. And so they're going to try to coast on, on the fumes of that as best they can. But if you don't have a really good idea to adapt something, then I don't really know if that's necessarily the way to go. You know, Watchmen is a great example of, you know, furthering the adaptation in, in a really fascinating way that had something to say. Station Eleven was a really fantastic adaptation of, of a book that also had, you know, a comic book at its, at its heart and right in the middle there. And at best, I guess it goes to if more people read the, the source material, maybe that's a win-win for everybody, but it just seems like it's, I, I don't really know what the, the point is if you're just going to adapt something straight without having, you know, changing it for, for the better. Bruce, do you want to um, pitch us into the, uh, the interview with the Welcome to Flash folks? Sam Straley, you might have remembered if there was a show, it was on ABC, it was about a family set in the 70s. It was called The Kids Are All Right. I love The Kids Are All Right. If you haven't seen it, you should get dig somewhere to find it because it's so funny. It's all these boys that are just causing hell for their mother. And the oldest son was a priest or was studying to be a priest and comes home and says, I don't think I want to be a priest. That's Sam Straley. Sam Straley plays Shrub in this. And Shrub and Kelly are two cousins living in Flatch, which is in Ohio. It's about 1,500 people in town. And they hang out together and kind of really, they serve as your tour guides through Flatch. So you get a chance to see the newspaper reporter who left the Star Tribune in Minneapolis to follow her love. And then her love dumps her. You get to see the people at the car dealership that are kind of ripping people off. You get to see the festival, the Scarecrow Festival, where Shrub thinks he's gonna win with his wonderful, fully articulated Scarecrow. And Kelly, his cousin who talks too much, um, thinks she's gonna finally win the skillet toss, which is <laughs> a family tradition. And she wants to win the love of her father back, but her father has kind of left her because he's got a new family now and a baby. So there's a lot to unpack when you see it. And then there's uh, Father Joe, that's the Sean William Scott uh, character, who is kind of so unlike anything you've ever seen him play. He serves as kind of the guy who's the calming influence on these kids. So the interview I, I have is with Sam Straley and Holmes, um, the two who play Kelly and Shrub. And uh, I think you'll find they're kind of fun people. They, they, they were at um, South by Southwest. Was that going on right now? And uh, they were promoting it there and then they gave me a call. So here they are on Zoom. Please welcome Sam Straley and Holmes. Please tell me, how did they cast this? Because I have no idea what you guys would have done to go in to get these roles. Yes. Um, so how they cast it, sorry, it's fun looking at us as well. Um, uh, how they cast it is I was personally found actually on Twitter. I was making like little silly comedy videos and Paul Feig's assistant, Greg, found one of the videos and they called me into audition in Chicago, IO Chicago. And it was my, only my second audition. And then I uh, went to do the chemistry reads after in New York. And that's where I met Sam, who I mm -hmm. love so much. And they had us... Um, 
do scenes, but we were allowed to improvise a little bit as mm -hmm. well. So I think they needed to know that we could have um, improv chemistry and yeah. also acting chemistry, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I would say mine was a little bit more, well, no, it was kind of a weird story where I got a call out of the blue from my ex-girlfriend and she was like, Hooked. and I was like, hello? No, and, she, and she's like, hey, um, I'm auditioning for the show right now and I think you have to audition for it. And I was like, really? And she sent me the size. She's like, everything. only if you take me back. No, <laughs> she didn't, sorry. And we're married. Uh, uh, no, uh, but so so she sent it to me and and uh, I called my team and I was like, hey, you need to get me in for this. And I auditioned for Paul and Jenny for a first time audition. That's so weird, you know, and um, so wild. Yeah. But yeah, I remember we had a lot of like improv going in. I, there was going to be a mock interview. And I remember like I wrote a monologue that was going to lead into an interview. And uh, yeah, I just had so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. Did the two of you tell that you worked well together right away or did it take time? I knew that it would be with Sam. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that it would be with Sam. And I think that also like, I don't think we knew how well we'd work together, but it mm -hmm. definitely felt right in the room. Yeah. I didn't know what those audition processes were like. So like, I definitely just felt that he, to me, it felt like my cousin in the audition room. Mm -hmm. And then as we worked together more, it was like obvious that yeah. we were meant to play together. We yeah. got really close. Um, I think we do look a little alike, so yeah. it makes cousins easy. Yeah. Were they always cousins? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? They're like cousins and they're lovers. <laughs> were they always cousins? If they, were, if they had just been friends, there could have been a relationship that could have transpired. I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. No, um, we, we of course, it could do. happen anyway with cousins. Who knows, right? No, it really can. We've all seen Salt Lake City. No, kidding. I'm sorry. Um, me and Sam, we uh, we have always been cousins on the show. Yeah. There's no romance there. Um, but you know, if they write it in the script, I love the show so much that I would do I it. I would do it. No. But they're not. But they won't. I'm pushing for it. Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's good. What age are they supposed to be? Uh, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Oh. What age do you yeah. think they are? What well, they've, 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 they've got to be out of high school. Okay, so. They're in their 20s somewhere, but I'm not quite sure. And you have that friend who runs the, the car dealership, this uh -huh, kind of yeah. jerk. At least I think he's a jerk. And then the girl who's the, um, the welcome to Flatch, whatever kind of person. Aya Cash. Aya. Yeah, no, not Aya. She's a newspaper person. The one who runs the, the tribute. Society, Taylor Ortega. Yeah. She's hilarious. Yeah. So this cast funny. is like very stacked with like, such comedic talent like taylor ortega is so funny she comes yeah. from ucb improv in new york and like the pit and stuff justin linville mm -hmm. who plays mickey is so so funny crystal, crystal smith. smith who plays big mandy is hysterical like genuinely so much of the cast is unknown and they're so so funny and i can't wait for everyone to meet them yeah so all right back to the age back to the, back age. to the age sorry yeah they're in their 20s 21 20 21 okay and do they have careers? I know you're an influencer and I know that you get a job like cleaning cars at some point, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. do they have any kind of means of support? Yes. Well, basically Kelly continuously makes up new jobs that she's going to do. And so she gets like a little money each time, but she's basically like constantly just hustling for different gigs, coming up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. That's why she calls herself an entrepreneur. Um, and because it is a really small town, it is pretty cheap to live 
also she still lives under her mom in her mom's home Mm -hmm. so she's not paying rent so she just really needs to get money for like basic basic needs but yeah she's always coming up with new ideas like starting a lawn mowing business you know dance class you'll see in the episodes basically every episode kelly has a new idea to try to make yeah and shrub uh does not have much of a means but he lives (laughs) with his grandma which i think which helps provide shelter yes Um, but yeah, I don't think like, Shrub has any extra cash laying around. They're um, both definitely trying to make yeah. money. I think even right now they're trying to make money um, from being social media influencers. Yeah, but just like I think, I think the the real uh, exciting challenge for them is doing it in a way uh, where they like love what they do and get paid for it. Uh, but you know, in Flash, that's that can be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. But they're always know, trying. Did you know people like these two at all in your lives? I actually do know a couple people. Yeah. I don't uh, know them very much now living in LA because LA, I can barely afford to live in. It's a really crazy city. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that like for sure growing up, I had friends who, and you know, I yeah. worked at an escape room for a while in Chicago and I worked with this guy and he was always coming in with new little ideas. He's like, I'm going to start my own escape room. Or like, he'd be like, I'm going to start this app or like, yes. So I do think that it's, I think because of the internet, mm-hmm. Plus, being in a small town, there's so many ways to start your own little jobs now. Yeah. Also, yeah, I definitely grew up knowing uh, Shrub and Kelly. I, I'm from Ohio, so like, there's yes. definitely some shades of that. Um, I, I feel like I have some uh, family members that kind of help uh, have helped with the, the, the role. Yes, but yeah, I think hopefully everyone knows a, a Shrub and Kelly and hopefully yeah. they have a new appreciation moving forward. Like as silly as they are, I think that they are like really, really beautiful characters because they are really resilient. Mm -hmm. Like they just really don't give up and they really only have each other as their main family. Like they have other family members who just really aren't there for them very much. Mm -hmm. And so like they are each other's chosen family. And I think it's really beautiful to watch, even though they're pretty silly. Mm. I I totally know these two. I know these two. I've And may I tell you, I've seen Kelly. I see her every day, I think. And yes. constantly scamming and they're like oh and i'm gonna start this and you think oh right you are not gonna do that you are not, <laughs> it is not possible no, i know wrong right <laughs> yes i got scammed actually recently i've been scammed twice i'm pretty gullible um and i got scammed on these concert tickets and it was a website called ticket sales that looks just like Ticketmaster. and i wanted the tickets really fast and mm. i didn't realize and it was getting closer and closer to the concert and i wasn't getting my tickets and i started doing more research and i was like you were scammed once again. And I just remember though being like, Kelly would do that to someone. That is so Kelly. Yes. I couldn't be mad at them. I was like, you got me good. You've got a plot point. Talk about doing the mockumentary format. Is that real difficult to do? And Sam, you had it with the kids are all right. You didn't have, you had real lines and you were working with another cast. You didn't have this kind of turn to the camera thing. Um, Yeah. So you're used to perhaps a more (laughs) traditional format. Yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, it, it was kind of a, a night and day thing. I mean, I've really loved uh, that there's a uh, documentary crew that sort of serves as like almost a character. Fully, yeah. Um, I think it helps with so many levels comedically because it, one, you know, it helps set up jokes with the, um, the interview style stuff. And I don't know, just having that extra partner is just like, and it, it really got me, uh, out of my fear of being on camera because before for the kids are all right such a, an amazing opportunity but i was it was my first thing i was pretty uncomfortable through most of it and uh so you know with this one i got to uh 
really stare down the barrel of this camera and be like, you know, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And it was really nice. In those, in that show though, really you didn't fight for attention, right? It, you just kind of knew, all right, I have my two minutes here. And then I'm <laughs> off and another kid gets the attention. Yeah. But it looks like you guys could really just take over if you wanted to. I would say that not that extreme. I would say like, so we have lines always that we have to do. Uh-huh. And then the director, depending on who was directing the episode would like give you a little freedom. Like let's have this one be like a fun take or you can play a little more here. So if yeah. you would like, but it was more like, I would say definitely still not like fighting for time. Like it was definitely still like the rhythms of our lines and stuff like that. And yeah. I think having the camera just made it feel for me, it just made it so much easier to be in character because you really did feel like, yeah, you really just felt like you were like in a documentary. And for me coming from improv, it felt really nice. It's almost like um, an audience member, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. or something. And so I, I really, really love the docu-comedy yeah. style. Also, also just scheduling. I mean, on other shows you do like two scenes a day and it takes we do forever. like 15 a we day. 15 because it's like, as long as they're not in the background, no one's in the background, you can shoot because we're shooting all natural light. Yes. It's go, go, go. Um, so it feels like you're my- really like acting where like, yeah. this is all I know. So it was my first show. And so I felt really like, um, I remember being like, wow, this is like pretty fast pace. I was like, we're like, like, you have no idea. Yeah. And then everyone was like, most shows you'll do like two scenes in a day or something and like get a million angles where it's like, we had me and Sam, like we were just constantly memorizing lines, like, because we worked every day. A lot of the other cast worked like once or twice a week, you know, and we were just like six days a week working all the time. And I remember like when it finally ended, it was so fun. Like we really, really loved it. But I remember when it ended, I would got would get in the shower and I'd be like, okay, time to think about lines. Uh-huh. And then I was like, there's no more lines. There's no more lines. Just because genuinely me and Sam were always memorizing lines. Constant material. How, how did you memorize that much? Because that it's, it seems like a, just a beast. I mean, it, I, I, I don't know. I feel like. You gave uh, me the app to help me. Yeah. I mean, so what, because we were working so much, throughout the day and we had so much to prepare i would use speechify this app and it uh basically loops any text you want and so i would take out i would just rewrite the whole scene but as one big chunk of text mm-hmm. no like you know kelly's route it was just the whole scene and i would fall asleep to it and i would uh, i yeah. would i would like work on it all day and then i'd go to sleep and i'd be listening to it all night and then i'd mm-hmm. wake up and i'm like i hope it's in my brain yeah. and then you go to work and you just kind of let it go but yeah, he, he taught, this was my first time learning how to memorize lines. And that was, I will say, like the the being on set part felt really natural in the performing. But the memorizing so many lines was definitely like a skill that like yeah. I had to learn. And Sam was so helpful um, with tips. Crystal taught me a really cool tip of like doing it one line and you add one more line to memorize mm. each time. But Speechify really was it for me too, just like being able to listen in this robot voice because then I could like put my own spin yeah. on it. In most days, because we lived in Wilmington, North Carolina, but we would film in like a small town that was like an hour away. And mm-hmm. so every morning we drove like at least 45 minutes. Um, and so you know, like, you know, 5 a.m. or whatever. Yeah. And so I would just really, really let that kind of, I either listen to Kelly's playlist, my character, which was like a lot of ACDC and stuff, or I would listen to my lines. Yeah. To me, it seems it just I'd say there's not a cue card guy. Come on. There's got to be somebody here to help me out. (laughs) Well, I mean, luckily, you know, in film, you know, it's not like theater where, you know, you you it's just one big long take and you can't mess up. It's like, you know, you get to you get to redo scenes. And also we like 
which I was so grateful that you were like into this, but like we rehearsed a lot of our stuff the night before we would like get off set. We'd be like, what's tomorrow? And we'd like hang out for an hour and we would like go over scenes and do it um, as many times because I don't know. I think that prep for me was really helpful because That's totally helpful. And we'd also just let ourselves like play. Like, I really feel like there's like three main characters. It's like Kelly shrub and then us together mm -hmm. because like, we really do. I feel like have a language together as the characters that came from like being able to have the lines, but also being able to improvise. So when we could play at home or something before we went to set, I think it was really helpful in us yeah. um, practicing sort of our improv language. Together. And like, like, learning about each other i think you know as kelly and shrub yeah like getting to know each other because we did just kind of like just meet and go yeah so it was nice to like and like and yeah. things were tough no we got a really lot tough. <laughs> did you get to add things in terms of how they looked and what they wore did you say okay now this he's got to have this or she's got to have that yeah and they were all pretty cool with that like for me like um in the british series uh there is like shrub's character is named curtain and curtain has these like little hair like side curtains <laughs> on um as his hair and i thought for shrub i i didn't want to do that and and because it was so perfect in the british that um i just wanted that shrubby you know big kind of a bush like uh long bangs and they were really cool with that and also like i didn't do any hair or makeup. I would shower at night and I'd wake up in the morning. And that that was my hair. We both really okay. didn't wear makeup on the show at all. Yeah, and which I love. I would say that Sam took a lot more, um, did a lot more stuff where he would make choices for his wardrobe and hair. Where I mm -hmm. um, would say that where I you see me improvising and my take on things was more in like the mm -hmm. lines. Like mm -hmm. I think I improvised. Mm -hmm a lot like I did a lot of takes with like a lot of extra improv where mm -hmm. for me my outfit was just um our costumes is amazing our wardrobe really is. Emmy she's so so amazing Emmy Holmes um and yeah she really really just had Kelly down and then my hairstyles that I just like put it up in a messy bun and then let those baby hairs free <laughs> yeah it's it's so interesting because the people in small towns are actually more trendy than people in larger cities they are aware of the trends right away and they latch on to even if they're not a good trend. And yes. it looks like these two buy in right away to that kind of stuff. I mean, the idea that she even has her own posse that she's, you know, hanging with and they're like yes. hanging on every word that she has to say. I, I find that really kind of interesting that people are going to understand maybe when they see this for the first time, they're going to go, what? I thought these people are always supposed to be behind everybody else. But is that because they have the time to just kind of lean into this or what? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, there's a lot of time for them, but I do think they are, um, you know, speaking of trends and everything, I, I do find that like, at least in terms of Shrub, like Shrub's not trying to be like anyone else, but he's trying to be uh, the most, his own style, which I think is pretty extreme, but um, yeah. I think Kelly definitely likes to, be a leader in the town, but mm -hmm. definitely likes to follow trends 100%. Yeah. Um, and I think that there it is because there's a lot of time. And I also really think that in like small towns, the internet, it means so much more than even people in big cities, because it's like, in big cities, we really can be inspired by so much around where in a small town, you kind of see everything to be inspired by really quickly. So mm -hmm. I think you go to the internet a lot. And I think that Kelly gets a lot of ideas, a lot of inspiration from like, Columbus crew watching soccer games from watching like hip hop video dances online. Like, I think she really is inspired from online. Mm -hmm. Isn't she like the long lost Kardashian? 
<laughs> she really is. And she's getting her butt done this actually Wednesday. Yeah. So she's really excited about it. Season two is a big episode. <laughs> yeah, like it's a big butt. Big butt. <laughs> I liked it. Well, when did you guys finish? When was the, the show? <laughs> when, when, when did you last shoot this? And, and when could you start in again? A, a we year finished, ago, like, over a year ago. So we really no. had to sort of like move on with our life for a second. Yeah. We were like, "Is this happening?" And now it finally is, and we're so excited. But it really—it was a year of just like I don't know. And really, and two before years that, since we did the pilot, yeah, because uh, of COVID, and we got shut down. So I don't know if you know, we did one day of our pilot in March 2020, yeah. and then they shut down. But how weird is that in that waiting period where you go, "Well, is this like not happening? Are we just like..." Yeah, it's hard. I think it really <laughs> tests you and makes you yeah. know that like the one show isn't your everything, but then when it comes yeah. back, you get to be so excited. And mm -hmm. I do think because Kelly and Shrub are like, we informed the characters so much that, um, and we got so close to them because we had to do so many scenes with them every day for like, you know, months and months. I think that uh, they were still like living inside us luckily like yeah. the other day I was like what if I forgot how to be Kelly and then I like opened one script and then right when I had the lines I was like there she is you know yeah. <laughs> found her <laughs> Shrub will just come out he'll just come out when I'm walking around the house yeah 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 so he's like he's surprised I want to date and Shrub comes out yeah <laughs> they're kind of your alter egos and they're there all the time my sister always like will say that like Kelly always lived inside me and mm -hmm. I was like I could play a lot of characters and they're like maybe just Kelly yeah <laughs> no no Shrub's been in there for a while as well yeah in different forms but yeah it's really a dream to play these characters Truly. I can't even tell you like they're just so so fun to play and yeah it's kind of a once in a lifetime role I feel like and it was just so freeing because like I don't know and like in other things a lot of people are like you've got to be your prettiest and you've got to be I'm so and glad I'm I like, don't play like oh my god and like compared to like the kids are right and they're like you're cute I'm like no I'm not I'm wearing a wig <laughs> and uh, I don't feel cute at all um and it was you know I was so in my head and like this with shrub I got to lean into all of my insecurities and I loved it it was so freeing <laughs> I just, yeah I'm like I only want to do more of that like people probably won't recognize you uh outside of the show they'll just go who are these two which is such a, gift. such a gift yeah. I really love that. No, it's like I can genuinely put like such little effort into like just looking like myself and show up and people are like, wow, you know, just because Kelly really is yeah, so, yeah, so she really brought it, didn't she? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I literally just wear like a little lip gloss and everyone's like star studded. <laughs> um, no, I really it, it was such a gift having someone who didn't wear makeup and stuff because I personally in my day to day life, like I look pretty today be, in like a makeup way because I'm having fun and it's an event. But for the most let's go out. Um, thank you. But I feel for the most part, I like to not wear very much makeup. So it just felt really fun to be able to not care what you look like on TV. And I just know that so many actors that isn't their experience. It's so rare. Yeah. And it just felt like such a gift that it wasn't like, you know, it just felt really like they got to be fully themselves. Yeah. It takes hours for me to look like this, right? That's yes. <laughs> the, the last question I have to ask you though, what happened to that ex-girlfriend that recommended you for this part? She died. No, she's <laughs> totally good. Can you imagine? I'm like, and I'm like, and Sam has a really, really sketchy story, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's dark. No, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> we're great. She's a good friend of mine. So she's, yeah. so, she's super talented and, and cool. And when I was in New York for my test, I, I bought her lunch because I was like, thank oh. you so much. 
You or, are so generous, boy. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Not even dinner. It was just lunch. It was lunch. <laughs> no, it was, it was literally like when, when I went into my test, I was there for less than 24 hours. Yeah. Like I was like, it was in and out and yeah. It was mm -hmm. so I was like, hey, I can squeeze you in here in the middle of New York. <laughs> well, she deserves a lot. Did she get a part? Did you did she get a part in this at all or not? Not yet. Not yet. Not we have yet. to get season two. Gotta get season two. And she's you gonna be our third cousin. <laughs> the dumb one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, she's gonna be the ugly one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You owe her. You owe her. I, you got to oh bring her on God. somehow. She can at least be somebody coming to town for something. I mean, it's it's there. And she's so talented too. So it's perfect. She is. She is. She's she really a talented is. actress. You know her. She. So we're all from Chicago in different ways. Uh -huh. They went to the. Did she go to DePaul too? No, she went she was to around. Northwestern. She was from Chicago, and I remember Sam really speaks so highly of her. Her name is Jesse. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. And, because she's really, really a great actress. And um, so when he was speaking highly of her and said she got the part, I looked her up and she's in like a couple little movies and yeah. stuff in there. She's really great. Yeah. Well, see, it all ends well, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Still going. <laughs> he, he's like begging for you I'm to like, get back with her. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Let's, let's see like, what I happens. need a story. Yeah. Come on, I need the story. And like, I want the scoop, okay? This is how this works. You're like, they're just cousins, right? <laughs> something. something. There's got to be something here, right? Yeah. yeah. Good luck with this. I think it's very, very cute. It's fun to see. And I think people who live in small towns will be really thrilled to see that they're held up in this way. Yeah, they're, they're goofy characters. But all those things, that Scarecrow Festival, all that crap that people try to do to make sure their town is worthy comes out in this and it's done with love. So I really appreciate seeing that. Well, we hope everyone loves it. And yeah. we're so, so grateful to Charlie and Daisy uh, for having the original This Country. And we are so, so grateful for anyone so who grateful. watches it. Yeah. Thanks to Bruce for, for, for interviewing those guys, which you just heard, just heard that interview. Jared, you want to take us out? Look, don't watch Cheaper by the Dozen. I think we've made that clear over the course of this episode. So uh, instead of watching Cheaper by the Dozen, watch anything else on any other streaming platform uh, that's good. Uh, see something good on streaming that's not Cheaper by the Dozen or go to your local Cineplex and uh, watch a, a movie there that is not Cheaper by the Dozen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you could watch the Red movie if you're gonna be on the Disney Plus channel. Yeah, there you go, Turning Red. Watch Turning Red instead of Cheaper by the Dozen. I'm going to throw a gauntlet down, okay? Who was the best Jesus? Oh, man. I like that we ended like five minutes ago, and now we're, we're talking about who's the best Jesus. In well, the you think about it. You have two weeks to think about who the best Jesus was.